Welcome, this is Josh Rees with Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. For more information about our church, please visit our website, milehighchurch.org. Grateful to be continuing our adventure in faith today. Our theme for this year, uh, leading with light, living from your inner constellation of truth. And our message today is becoming who you are meant to be. And there are some aspects of our teaching, our science of mind and spirit teachings that are, are really unique and I think, is, think make us uh, dynamic and exceptional. Uh, the first is this interface spirit we have, honoring the many paths to God, that we can look at any scripture with discernment instead of fundamentalism and hopefully throw out the damnation and the discrimination and see um, great tools for living life and for connecting with source. Second, we believe that life is fundamentally good. That life is good, that God is good, that the universe arcs and bends towards goodness. Are there bad things going on all the time? Yes, but there's always that presence, that light that's moving us towards something better if we can embrace and embody it. I'll take it. Who's there? (laughs) And third, and perhaps most importantly, we believe in the divinity of the individual. That each of us is an expression of divine light. Walt Whitman, the great transcendentalist poet, wrote probably the greatest poem of all time called The Song of Myself. And the opening words, I celebrate myself. That spirit, that presence of who we are. We don't keep it hidden. We allow it to shine and we embrace it in our teaching in a humble way. Ernest Holmes, our founder, put it this way. The greatest gift life could have made to you is yourself. You are a spontaneous, self-choosing center in life. In the great drama of being, the great joy of becoming. The certainty of eternal expansion. You could not ask for more, and more could not have been given. And I know when we first hear a quote, we take it on intellectually. We we ponder it, but I I invite our hearts to enter into a place of transparency this morning and, and to see if we can hear this from the very voice of spirit to ourselves. The greatest gift life could have made to you is yourself. You are a spontaneous, self choosing center in life, in the great drama of being, the great joy of becoming, the certainty of eternal expansion. You could not ask for more, and more could not have been given. Thank you, life. Thank you, spirit. To accept that gift of who we are is to open up what for so many centuries has been sometimes the deepest secret of humanity. That we are expressions of the universal wholeness. That we are all children of God. That we all belong here. 
in the mystic gospel of Thomas, a gospel that was written around the same time as the synoptic gospels. And it surrounds the sayings of Jesus. Jesus is saying, uh, tell me what I'm like. And one of the disciples says, you are like a great philosopher. And another disciple says, you are like an angel. And then Thomas says, master, my mouth cannot even begin to say that which you are like. And Jesus rewards him by taking him off to the side and he whispers divine secrets into his ear. And he comes back and the disciples say, what did he tell you? What did Jesus say? And Thomas says, if I told you, you would pick up stones and throw them at me. And I think it has to do with that divine secret of our own divinity that we are, in a sense, godlings, <laughs> spirit expressions, individualizations of the, of the whole. But what's important is that we accept that truth with humility and not with arrogance. Life is God's gift to you, but that does not make you God's gift to humanity. <laughs> you are an expression of God. Your divine inheritance is the very potential of the universe. And yet that does not give you the right to act like a king or queen in your life or in the lives of others. When we get arrogant about our divinity, when we get self-righteous about it, we lose it immediately. But when we accept it with humility and realize it gives us the empowerment to serve others, to uplift this world around us, then we embody that divinity. We realize that the purpose of life is not to have our souls tested by anything other than our own measurements. That the purpose of life is to become who you are meant to be. And in that, the spirit becomes well pleased in who you are. And last week we talked about part of how we do that is we identify our light of first cause. We identify that virtue which is uniquely your own, even though someone else may call it by the same name. It's that unique virtue of your own uniqueness and spirit. It's more than just your name or your address. It's that much of who you are and your light of first cause is how you, you bring forth your light, your inner constellation of truth. But there's also what I've been calling your light of response. There's that basic virtue that you bring to life. Then there's that virtue that you summon when faced with adversity or a criticism or a challenge. It's when something around you wants to draw down your vibration and you say no. And you respond with this quality of light, your light of response. About a year and a half ago, I got to do a series uh, called um, Love Forward. And in it, I shared a, a mantra I like to use from time to time, and it goes like this. I experience fear, but I practice love. I experience anger, a lot sometimes, but I practice love. I experience grief, but I practice love. And I like this because it doesn't push away the fear or the anger, or the sadness, or the grief, but it simply affirms that what I'm practicing isn't the opposite of those things, but I'm transmuting the very feelings in that experience and practicing at a higher vibration this love that is who I am. And we all get to identify what our light of response will be. What is it for you? Is it love? Is it compassion? Is it curiosity? 
Is it dignity? Is it hopefulness? Is it reverence? Whatever it may be, you get to choose. I'm experiencing traffic, but I'm practicing peace of mind. I'm experiencing Joe in the next cubicle being a you-know-what, but I'm practicing compassion. This recognition of light within us is the very basis of pragmatic spirituality that what is within you is always greater than what is around you. You don't have to conform to the BS, to the limitations, to the critiques, to what someone else uh, is a place to put you in. You get to respond from that inner constellation of truth within you to bring it about in all that you do. And what happens when you live from that light? No longer does it live to the vibration down of what's coming at you, but you uplift it from your own. And life begins to conform to what that is. Are there any sports fans here in the sanctuary or here at home? It's a dark week in Denver sports. <laughs> no, no, no Rockies, tough Denver Thursday night, but for sports fans, uh, right now is generally known as sports heaven because you've got the heart of the football season in college and in NFL. Baseball playoffs are starting. Dr. Barry picked the Atlanta Braves over my Dodgers uh, this morning in the first service, which upset me. Uh, and then NBA is about to start, NHL is about to start. So Denver, you have a nugget of hope and an avalanche of hope on, on your way. Yeah. And uh, I, lo I love to talk about greatest players of all time, and so I want to focus on basketball today and ask, who is the greatest basketball player of all time? Bill Russell. Bill Russell passed away a couple weeks ago. God bless him. Who else? Larry Bird. Larry Bird. We have a someone from Boston. Are you from Boston? I think you have to be from Boston to say it. No, I love Larry Bird. Magic Johnson, I think I heard. Michael Jordan. Great. Um, they don't have to be an NBA player. One of the greatest players that I ever saw was Cheryl Miller. Um, this incredible basketball player, her uh, little brother, Reggie Miller, uh, very well known, much more cocky, although they both had a, a amount of confidence. And I love a story Reggie Miller tells of being in high school and having his first big game and his dad and his sister pick him up and he gets in there and he's, he's bragging, I got in the starting lineup, I got 40 points. That's great, Reggie. That's great, Reggie. They have awkward looks on their face. What is it? Cheryl scored 105 points tonight <laughs> in her game. Uh, my argument for the greatest basketball player of all time is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Incredible player, six MVPs, six championship rings, and just the amount of competition he played against the greatest players of all time. And Kareem started his collegiate career at UCLA, and he got to play for probably the greatest coach of all time, uh, John Wooden there in UCLA, who was famous for his incredible quips. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Follow your bliss, hmm? That sounds like good advice, but I think it depends on what your bliss is. Didn't Timothy Leary follow his bliss? No offense to Timothy Leary. And most famously, Wooden came up over decades. He articulated his definition of success, which was built around his teaching philosophy of becoming who you are meant to be. That definition, success is peace of mind that is the direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. 
Notice there's no winning or losing in that. Just becoming that which you are. Success is peace of mind that is the direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. And Kareem was such a great player and he faced a lot of discrimination for the color of his skin, for his height, for his very kind of sensitive, more mindful, quiet nature. Uh, And the NCAA must have known what a powerful player he was going to be. They didn't admit this, but upon his entrance, they banned the slam dunk. No dunking allowed. Can you imagine that today? Uh, No slam dunks, uh, which was a key part of Kareem's game. And so you can imagine he was, he was hurt by this. He was angry about this. He was saddened by this. And you know you're pretty great when they have to change the rules <laughs> for your entry. And you can know that in your life, that when someone makes a rule that seeks to limit you, when someone tries to put you in a, in, in a place that is other than them, when someone puts you down, what's really going on is they're afraid of your power. They're afraid of that light of who you are. It somehow threatens their light, too. And so Kareem had to to find another way, a different way, and all of us have to do that when faced with adversity. Is this something that's going to stop me and slow me down, or is this going to make me even better? The famous poem from the 1800s by Douglas Malick comes to mind. If you can't be a pine on the top of the hill, be a scrub in the valley but be the best little scrub by the side of the hill. Be a bush if you can't be a tree. And if you can't be a bush, bush, be a bit of the grass and some highway happier make. If you can't be a muskie, then just be a bass, but the liveliest bass in the lake. We can't all be captains, we've gotta be crew. There's something for all of us here. There's big work to do and there's lesser to do and the task you must do is the near. If you can't be a highway, then just be a trail. If you can't be the sun, be a star. It isn't by size that you win or you fail. Be the best of whatever you are. And all Kareem did was slowly develop the most effective and beautiful shot in the whole world of basketball, the sky hook. There he is. Look at that beautiful shot by that beautiful man. And I would ask you today, what is your sky hook? What is that talent that you've developed because of adversity that you've faced? What is that trait of your character that you have come to embody and define um, in spite of the challenges in your life? What might be challenging you right now today that you have thought too little of yourself that it has caused you to freeze in this place of inaction or procrastination? How can you go within and develop that skill that allows your version of the sky hook to play out in your everyday life? To become that which you really are Embrace the truth of your divinity with humility. Respond to adversity with your light of truth. And learn to make the authentic connection. Commit your life in all of your relationships to making authentic connections. 
It's these things called relationships. It's these things called one another that help us to become who we are meant to be. And there's a lot of arguments out there about um, where we've gone wrong as a society. Some people say, oh, there's more political rancor than ever before, less civility than ever before. And you can look at some you know, newspapers from the 1800s and see it. We've always had a little bit of that here in our country. But one of the things that I do think is true is that we have a level of superficiality, especially in terms of our communications, more so than ever before. It's the consequence of text messages. It's the consequence of social media. Not that you can't have depth through some of these things, but you can have so much superficiality. I even opened how many people had the update on their Facebook where now I don't even have to type happy birthday. I just click and it says it automatically. It's the click that counts, people. It's the click that counts. But take something like text messaging. I love text messaging. It lets me say things quickly. It lets me send notes to people and little reminders. And yes, once in a while, it gets me out of calling Aunt Helen to say happy birthday, and I just send her the text. And it's an out. But so often, it becomes a superficial way of communication that isn't as good as that face-to-face conversation or even that phone call. And so I'm encouraging you as a practice this week to ask yourself in your communications, do I have an opportunity? You won't always have the opportunity, I know we're busy people, to make the authentic connection. Is a text best or would a phone call be better? Is an email best or how about an invite to meet face to face? When we only live in superficial communication, we miss out on bringing forth the depth of who we are and inspiring it in other people. Another form of superficial communication for me, and this one's been around since the beginning of humankind, is is, uh, social conventions. Just that simple, hi, how are you? Fine, thank you, how are you? Weather's nice outside. Have a great day. Whatever it may be, all of this stuff helps us to get along in the world to let people know we're, we're safe. It's good, it's good pleasantries. But for too many of us, we've allowed our most intimate and meaningful relationships to be filled with just the superficial connection. And we can go deeper. I'm embarrassed to say I even have this experience regularly with my son that there might be weeks where the only conversation we have is, hey, Gavin, how was your day today? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. End of conversation. (laughs) On to the next day. Just missing each other. Missing those opportunities for authentic connection. There was a great show uh, in the late part of the last decade called uh, Rescue Me, uh, and it was about New York City firefighters after 9-11 and all that they went through, and it was a drama and a comedy, and my favorite scene in the show involves uh, the main character, Tommy, calling his father on the phone, and they have a regular very guy, New York-y conversation, very macho, but what we get led into is there's subtitles that says what they really mean to say. Hey, Dad, where's Ma? She's upstairs. Subtitle, I'm too tired to go upstairs. They start talking about baseball, and the dad starts talking about how he hopes the opposing pitcher gets injured, not to to keep him injured permanently, but just to keep him out of that one game. And we see uh, on the subtitle, I miss you. I love you. I'm so very proud of you. Tommy starts talking baseball, too. I love you, too, Dad. 
they hurriedly get off the phone because intimacy feels close, even in their superficial conversation. But do, do, do you get the message of that? That it would be so great if the people that we loved could see the subtitles when we're talking to them. But they can't. They can't. They might feel it. They might get it. They might know you love them. But why not take that opportunity to make those authentic connections? To not let the subtitles speak for themselves, but with your own voice. I miss you. I love you. I'm so very proud of you. To be able to share from our heart, even if it feels weird or awkward at first, begins to take down those defenses around the heart. That's why I like to call it two types of a broken, broken heart. There's the broken heart of loss, but then there's that, that breaking open of all the scar tissue, all that stuff that we sometimes have built up to defend against life or criticism or grief. When we're able to make those authentic connections just one by one, whenever you can, they don't have to be major. They can just be little things. That scar tissue begins to, to dissipate. Our hearts begin to heal and they begin to come front in our lives instead of stay in the background in the subliminal. Make the authentic connections by choosing that medium of communication when you can that better lets you connect eye to eye and heart to heart. Make the authentic connection by asking deeper, more profound questions than just the regular social convention. I got to pick my son up from junior college the other day. Hey kiddo, how was your day? Pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. But then, what do you like about junior college so far? And in that moment, he just opened up and he shared. And I'm so glad I asked that question. I tried something similar this week. Nothing. <laughs> and that, that's the third point I want to say about the authentic connection. It's not about trying to force authentic connections in a busy world. It's just about being an authentic presence in this busy world. An oasis, a safe harbor, someone who's willing to be authentic. And if others want to join in, then great. And if not, let them be busy, seek to create another time. But all of us have that ability to be pragmatic bringers of a greater truth into our world by making those authentic connections. And the byproduct of that is they help make us who we really are, who we're really seeking to be, something that for so many of us perhaps just in these last few years, but perhaps for even longer than that, feel separated from. Something's missing in my life. It's you. It's that authentic expression of who you are. And as we build upon it each day, it grows and grows in our lives. Ernest Holmes tells us that the real self is included in the greater self. It is nothing less than a reproduction of the universal mind on the scale of the individual. This is is the real person. That's a big deal. That's an audacious truth. That yourself is contained in this greater self and that greater self is right here present for you. And to choose it is to choose the best life. To choose it is to choose a greater awareness. To choose it is to choose becoming who you are meant to be. And again, the byproduct of that is the healing, the connection, and the love that you seek. Nothing or no one outside of you can bring it to you. They must come through you 
in that receptivity of love. Become who you are meant to be by humbly accepting your divinity, by responding to any challenge, adversity, nasty comment with your light of response, and by filling your life with the joy of making those authentic connections wherever they may lead. So just moving into prayer this morning, I invite you to join me if you choose. Just honoring that light of mile-high consciousness that fills the sanctuary and I know fills where anyone experiencing this service is. I just can't help but want to take that light of response, our light of love, our light of awareness, and to recognize we never use that to turn away to the, from the world, but to, but to turn into it. And we just acknowledge, and I acknowledge, the, the pain that so many people are experiencing in Thailand based upon the, the murder of innocence. Terrible events in Indonesia. Fighting for freedom in Ukraine and in Iran. People seeking to recover from hurricanes in our own country, in Florida and North Carolina and Puerto Rico and beyond. We take this light of truth this light of awareness of a greater good and we apply it we look whatever might be challenging anyone right in the eye and we know the truth that even in the midst of pain in the midst of sorrow there is that divine light of hope planted in each one of us a primordial seed ever bringing forth as we are willing to nurture it with the grace of a divine consciousness. And just coming back to our own lives today, may we affirm to ourselves, I am creating the space to become who I am meant to be. Not in a fatalistic end-all, be-all kind of way, but just in this moment. How can I best create the space to become who I am meant to be right now? knowing as we choose and step into that, we don't do it alone. There is a divine and intelligent mind that is showing up in our mind, in our heart, in our body, in our relationships, in all that we do. We embrace it. We allow it to weave itself into our experience and we reap all of the benefits. We say thank you for the healing. Thank you for the reconciliation. Thank you for the understanding. Thank you for the way of being that simply validates that I am exactly enough as I am. I simply choose to be more of it in all that I do, unabashedly, without repression, but with that divine flow that heals myself and heals whatever place in the world we may occupy around us. And so it is. Thanks for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. To make a donation, please visit milehighchurch.org.